My name is Thomas Proffitt. I'm a filmmaker based outside Philadelphia, PA, and I'm looking to create a life for myself writing and directing films. On this podcast, I give my take on things as well as interview friends, filmmakers, and interesting folks about just about anything. You can find the full podcast catalog at ProfitableProductions.com backslash podcast. Profitable is spelled like my name with two F's and two T's. You can also find clips from my episodes there as well as my films. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Tom Profit Take. All right. This is the third time to try. <laughs> okay, let's go. I'm ready. Welcome to the Tom Profit Podcast. Tom Profit here with my sister, Katie Profit. How you doing, Kate? Um, good. You're home. You're home for the holidays. Yep. Yeah. Read any good books lately? <laughs> uh, I read one. I don't really have a lot of time to read up at school. Um, That's right. Mean, I, I sent you. I sent you a uh, a book, which is like the worst kind of gift, right? Like, yeah. It's kind of like here. Hey. Well, I open it and I was like, oh wow. This is like um, when I used uh, to get books when I was younger, and I didn't read them, so I didn't read that book yet. <laughs> but <laughs> it's sitting on my bookshelf. I, just I got, I got it you a copy of the Tao Te Ching. It's one of my favorite books. You know, like I'll, I'll read it eventually. I just... here, here's the, here's the thing to anybody who hasn't read the Tao Te Ching. It's like you, the, the, it's like it's poetry basically. Um, but but here's the thing. It's like it's written by somebody. People think of it as like philosophy or they might categorize it as that, but it's not really philosophy because the person who wrote it, Lao Tzu, he was considered uh, like a master of being. Well, audio, what the heck? Is that your phone, maybe? <laughs> yeah, put, yeah, it's definitely the phone. I don't know how it's doing that, but that's that's some weird shit. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, basically... He was like a master of being, and what that meant was like somebody who, you know, imagine you're somebody who has like anxiety or something, like 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 anxiety disorder or something, and it's somebody who like masters that. You know, like a lot of people today, I think, are very anxious, and I mean, I've I I do think I I suffered from anxiety a lot um, before. I mean, I'm not to the point where like I like went to the doctor or therapy for it you know or something like i just i think i was very anxious like a lot of people are today i think we could get into that i think it's a lot of it has to do with technology but it's like it it's one of those books that you read and it helps you kind of find a calm a calmness in the storm like it's it's something where you you read it and you're like you know you you realize when you read it you you this is something that you can come to repeatedly for like to like calm you and, and calm your nerves a bit mentally and and it's and emotionally and it, and that's why I like it like it it, it reminds me of uh, like the, another book that reminds me that that it's it reminds me of is is meditations by marcus aurelius or, or a lot of stoicism but for me meditations by marcus aurelius was a book where like i was i was in harvard coop like it was a, it was a bookstore um, not, I didn't go to Harvard, <laughs> obviously <laughs> I didn't, I didn't drop out of Harvard. I'm, I'm no Bill Gates or whatever. Um, I, I dropped out of community college. <laughs> Let's be honest, not, not up there. Uh, but you know, yeah, it was like, I was there and I, I found this book and I, like, I heard about it, like on an Amazon. I was like, should I get it? It's like a dollar, $2. And I was like, is it worth it? <laughs> and then I read it like in the bookstore, I was like, holy crap. You know, because I was reading, I think I was reading Seneca's book, um, 
I think the art of living or something or, or letters from a stoic, which is just a series of his letters to his Lucilius, Lucius, or no, Lucilius. It was a, somebody who was like his, um, apprentice in, in stoicism, in, in philosophy. And he was super, uh, like, like, like you, you, you felt like you were talking to a friend when you're reading his letters. Marcus Aurelius, on the other hand, is considered like, he's very, uh, tired like this is a guy who's the emperor of the world he was the emperor of rome like have you ever seen the movie gladiator the the wise old emperor guy in that movie is basically marcus aurelius and uh like like he would he had the weight of the world on his shoulders like he was most like he spent 20 years like like fighting helping like like leading an army to fight a war and and while that was happening, people back in Rome were, were, were conspiring against him or like there was just so, so much like politics. His wife was said to be unfaithful, like just all sorts of stuff going on. 13, I think of his, he had, was it either he had 13 children or 13 of them died. And, you know, like he's just, you read his thing and it's like, this is somebody who's writing this. It's a war journal. It's to help them calm themselves. And when you read that book, it's like, you get the benefit of that because, you know, however stressful your life is, you, you're reading the book of a, a man who's like facing stress from all walks of life, every direction, and he can't let up. He has to keep going. And that's, I think those kind of books are great. And, and I think uh, Lao Tzu's, um, The Tao Te Ching is, is one of those books. It's like, it kind of, in a way for me is it, it went beyond that and just it, it it it's a way of looking at life like knowing knowing is is kind of a, a thing that gets in our way thinking that you know things assuming that you know something you you just end up well everybody just assumes now yes yeah, every yeah yeah like you ever find um just yeah people being wrong because they're just so ingrained in what they think to be right and then uh, you know, they miss the, the forest for the trees or they just, you know, they make mistakes because of that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that a lot. And it it teaches this philosophy, I guess you could say philosophy of not knowing this or, or, or unknowingness. Being okay with not knowing. Yeah, like, oh, excuse me. You basically, um, the things that we get worked up about are things that we have, are uncertain about. And it teaches you to be okay with that, to find comfort and strength in uncertainty and comfort in not seeking answers or not trying to answer things before they, the answers come to you, if that makes sense. Like there's a, you know, they will come and even when they come, still say that you don't know. Which book is this? The Tao Te Ching. Oh, okay. This is the one you gave me. Yeah. Like... And, and the one I gave you, it's it's uh, Red Pines, uh, the Tao Te Ching, uh, and it's basically like, it's a mixture of, there's the book, and then on each page after like each, each section, like each chapter, you have like all these uh, reflections by masters across time um, from that, that tried to master his teachings. And, and it's funny, though, that, like, in that book, it even says that, like, to speak of the way 
you know, is, is you're, you're getting further away from the way. And it's a paradox because it's like, that's the only way you can communicate it. You have to read about it and, and to know about it. And, and it's like, but then you realize that talking about it is, you know, getting you further away. I feel like I'm, I hope I'm not like, it's when we went deep, until like, you know, like talking too much. Let's ask you a question. You, dude, you, you are, you are always crushing it. <laughs> you were, you went to, let me review my notes. I forgot to do that. You, no, I know this. I'm just kidding. You went to the National Spelling Bee. Let's talk about that. What's, go How into that. that talk about that. Um, I'm out of breath. I'm <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really don't know how to spell words that good, that well, I mean. <laughs> it just... That G-O-D. Somehow, um, I was at the regional B, and somehow I ended up on stage, and mm -hmm. there was three of us left all of a sudden, and, and then um, everybody, we all spelled it wrong. And then, by luck, I got... The word, the word right the second time because we went back into it and then I remember when they were doing that and they were I like think... are you excited to go to the National Spell Me? I said no, no I don't <laughs> I just came here today I I'm only 14 Wait, wasn't it wasn't that when like I think each year for whatever class I forget if it was I don't know but it was like you they do a, um, a thing where everybody like they have like a competition like or it's like a like spelling bee contest or a spelling contest something like that yeah in in like the school i think i remember that happening in elementary school and i was like i, I got out of like i ended up like disqualified really early on <laughs> i mean I, it's not like i was passionate about words it's just i love to read mm -hmm. and i don't get much time to read nowadays but i wish i did more but i would just I, I did reading Olympics. I, you know, I was always reading yeah, books. Yeah, you you're reading a lot of books. I, I never went anywhere without, like, a book. And this was, this was like, before smartphones were, like, huge. I, I mean, I guess they were huge. But mm -hmm. I still we still don't have them because yeah. our dad was like, no, you guys can <laughs> go along without it. Probably and, a good thing looking yeah. back at it now. So, like, whenever I went anywhere, I just would be sitting in a restaurant waiting for food to show up and I'd have a book on the table. Yeah, I, I do remember <laughs> that. Reading all the Harry Potters. <laughs> yeah. I think I went over them like three times. I think I tried reading them later, but I stopped. <laughs> but, uh, and then you guys, I think part of it was you were mocking me because I was, I was an adult reading. <laughs> I was like trying to catch up. I was like, I'm a little behind on this. I need to catch up on this whole reading thing. Um, but yeah, no, you, uh, you, you're crushing it. <laughs> like you, yeah, you, you, uh, you did that. And, and, and I mean, like, what what was it like going to that? You know, I mean, it's funny because um, when I was growing up, uh, I was always like in the what, like they'd split us up into like reading groups or, mm -hmm. or whatever classes and stuff. And I would always be in that smart group. And like we'd always be like people always get annoyed with me because I, they'd be like, oh, of course you did this well or something like that mm -hmm. or like. Or we'd be like competing and you know everything. It would, be, it, it would always be like a competition. People were mean to us. Yeah, okay. people were mean to us. <laughs> people don't understand us. <laughs> um, it was just always like a competition. And then I went to the spelling bee and I'm like, of course it's a competition. You know, everybody wants to win. Yeah. But it was just like everybody was a nerd there. So like everybody was friends. Like nobody, nobody, like everybody was so nice to each other. And yeah. it was like when I was, because when I was younger and like um, 
I got made fun of a lot for like mm-hmm. different things. Like, a, I don't know, like a, there was a lot of bullies out there, you know, but, um, but like when I went there, it was like, like even mom said it was like the most bully free zone. Like it was, it was so inclusive. Everybody was just friends, hmm. you know? Yeah. Was, I, I mean, I remember there was like a, a video that went around after the one kid one. Um, and he, he, it was, he didn't like, he was so like chill about it but then Mm -hmm. people like went making fun of him saying like 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 the whole like i think uh um thug life meme oh yeah freaking glasses i knew that kid he was so nice yeah yeah you saw that like i think i I may have showed it to you because i was like oh spelling bee like maybe katie knows this person and then you were like that's so mean and you were like like and I realized then I was I was like wow I'm being a I'm being a jerk. He was like, he was like 13 years old I think. Yeah. Like, you know. But I realized yeah like you guys were all so nice to each other it wasn't you know. It was like I don't know it was just when I was there it was like such a nice environment and like everybody was like um, pumping each other up and like they'd be coming back from spelling a word they'd be high fiving you know and um, it was like the first time I really re- like figured out like okay you know I can try to be something more than i think i am and yeah it's uh i mean it's interesting because it's like one part of it that's interesting to me is is like i I, since like leaving like dropping out of college and and like discovering like tim ferris and shit like like entering into the world of or trying to like find my way into this world and learning about through books the world of like high performance and people who are you know trying to perform above and beyond like most or all of the competition and there's just such different mindsets and you you come across like a lot of times and you have to like like these a lot of like a a positive mindset kind of group now not to like be negative in any way it's like what did you feel at all that there were like parents that are overbearing you like because you 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 hear about that like like you hear about that or you like there's a, a movie that i'm watching actually called uh, uh searching for bobby fisher mm-hmm. and it kind of it, it a little bit reminds me of that or it, or maybe it's i'm completely drawing like a, a separation or maybe i'm wrong yeah i mean like I did- it was it was like like he grew up being um like he was this child prodigy of chess and his dad like i think in the movie i'm at right, the part i'm at right now mm-hmm. he started his dad started kind of getting like you know feeding mm-hmm. off of like he he fed into this culture with the parents there like who were their whole ego was built upon their kids success in that game mm-hmm. and i think i think he ended that ended up finding that out and then realizing his mistake well i mean speaking of chess have you seen yeah. queen's gambit i'm on Netflix? that's on my list um I, I'm, I'm actually planning on watching it tonight actually. okay funny, well funny you mentioned i mean well, okay, I what is her name what is the actress in that i don't remember she's she's been awesome. in a couple things but um they ever seen the witch I don't know. No, I haven't seen that. But anyway, it's, it's really but, um, it's, it's messed up. <laughs> but like, she she's like this prodigy and everything, and she yeah. ends up you know like traveling all these co- tournaments and everything. And this not may or may not be spoiling. I don't think it's spoiling anything. But um, don't spoil it. Just perfect. well, I don't know how far go, you've go gotten. How far have you gotten? I haven't started. Oh, I was well, planning okay. to watch it tonight. Okay. Well, anyway, I mean, she's like traveling, and she has like her adoptive mother with her, and um, and she this woman's like. I don't know. She's clueless. Like, she doesn't know how chess works. But, like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's probably just doing it for the money. But she's also, like, she seems very supportive of um, mm-hmm. of her daughter. I can't remember her name. But, um, but like, she's just, she's not even supportive of the chess aspect. She just, like, 
kind of just likes to listen to her to like talk about the competition like she'll she'll have a teller how the tournament went um and she'll like talk about how to her every move that she did and she'll just like sit there and listen and she may not understand it and that's how i thought of mom when mm-hmm. i was at the spelling bee like she oh. didn't really know what was going on she was kind of clueless but you know she was just <laughs> there for me <laughs> she was okay. there the whole time. so it was like that kind of thing but like you know you see like other parents like i'm like you're saying about yeah. like chess with chess prodigies like maybe the parents would be pushing them like so i, guess I didn't just... see it but like yeah, you know, maybe, it was I, like, maybe I'm put, putting like, something in there that well, like, no, I mean, there, the writer there might the be. negative was like creating. There like, might be, but I, I didn't see it. I mean, also I was at the Marriott across the street. I wasn't staying yeah. in the five star Gaylord. <laughs> we were you, we were kind of royalty, right? No, we, we were like sequestered in our own little. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just. It's just the writer in me looking for looking to create <laughs> drama in the the world of that I don't understand of it. But yeah, like I think um yeah no, and I, I could see that like that it, it, a lot of people would probably assume that it's like there's like if a kid is is overperforming at something that it's the parent like not being supportive but that's not always, always yeah. the case i mean they would push them to study mm-hmm. like um they would you know they'd, they'd make sure okay you know get in however many hours you need to get in today to, but like the, the kids were like passionate about it too so like i guess they shared that passion but like if the kids were getting tired of it maybe you know like like I think the parents were like reminding them why they were doing it, and like okay, yeah. you know, here's the here's the end goal. And, and you know what? Sometimes but, I mean, I, I heard that like a kid. There, there's this uh, thing I listen to like, Jordan Peterson a lot. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. No, no. He's a he's a clinical psychologist that recently like blew up um, because of uh, it's a long story. But yeah, like he, he blew up. Is he okay? What is he okay? No, I mean like <laughs> like like or back in 2016 he blew up because he he protested something and and but you know people discovered him through that and I discovered him through that and I, and it's like well, the more I kind of learn about him it's like and the more you know I watch his like videos on YouTube there's many um, and his like lectures like because he was a professor at like a, a Canadian uh, like or where it was but you he, he uh like a campus somewhere in Canada. Uh, in Canada, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, he uh, Canada. But uh, he, yeah, he, he. Uh, I, I find that like the more I learn about his stuff, it's like the more it impacts my life in a positive way. And a lot of other people find that too. Um, but the thing that I'm getting into is is that like he recently, the what I heard him talking about was, yeah, there's a lot of uh, things where people you know assume that you know they shouldn't push their child into certain things and I, you know i've heard that a lot too and it's you know you you read a lot of these new age books and, and modern day like philosophies about how to raise kids and, yeah and it's always like let the let the kid do their own thing like it's yeah. to the point where like like that a comedian that, that um that comedian uh, taylor tomlinson mm-hmm. that I'm, i recommended you'd yeah. watch her comedic comedy special she's so funny um yeah taylor tomlinson uh <laughs> yeah she uh she had the joke in her thing where it's like parents today are like like it used to be disciplined but now it's like i'm just like I, i'm i'm just glad to be a part of your childhood like like <laughs> if you need any if you have any feedback for me let me know that is probably the worst thing yeah <laughs> it's probably worse than di- like extreme discipline you know yeah like because it's and, and it's and it's it, it, the, the reason why is um there's this like like sacrifice um, is like a big motif um, in life and and it's like present throughout the Bible and it, and it for good reason it's like it's 
and because it, it, it's so powerful and it's like you know realizing oh, thousands of years ago when you know when, when the realization came of sacrifice like i'm going to not eat all my crops or all the food here i'm going to save some food you know i might be hungry right now but i'd rather be hungry now than starve to death tomorrow that's that's a realization yeah. of sacrifice you know working the soil you yeah. know you know working the earth and 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 you know you know tiring and 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 you know working at the sweat of your brow or whatever it's like that's that's all sacrifice and that's and that and that you know the beginning of the bible marks the realization of that you know that's where people realize their nakedness their vulnerability um and it, and it's kind of like a it's interesting it's an interesting parallel to um life um that you know adam and eve in the like in the beginning of the bible they realize their nakedness their vulnerability and 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 that they have to then work the earth and, and life is going to be painful from them yeah. it's because they realize that that's what they have to endure to succeed and survive i mean it's also because they messed up yeah and basically it's one of the things that's like sacrifice doesn't necessarily have to be voluntarily voluntary um, volunteered um it can be imparted on you beyond your will and 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 and, and you can still um reap the rewards of that sacrifice so and he, and he i think jordan peterson realizes because like, he he didn't take his children to church because he wanted them to choose on their own and then he later felt like that was probably a mistake because they didn't get to um, benefit from a lot of the teachings and the, the things that come from that. Now, I'm not, not sure about the specifics about what they are, but I kind of understand what he's saying. I think we, you know, we, we grew up, you know, we were raised Christian. And, I, you know, there was a period where I knocked um, the Bible and Christianity and, and religion. I almost, I got so close to being like an atheist. But then... I, I, I don't know how, like, oh no, I know how it happened. It's like, I started learning about, I was a weird guy. I was, I was, I was working on a science fiction thing at the time. And, and I started learning about whatever I could science-y and, and, and I started digging into quantum physics and, and, um, super string theory and all these advanced, um, uh, advanced physics concept concepts written about by Brian Greene, this, uh, this, uh, fit, uh physicist i think i forget if he's on i think he's a nobel winning physicist i think yeah i think he is because he worked on super string theory um um and michio kaku did too i think i'm pronouncing that right but yeah they they realized um i realized from reading about that that it's like we don't really know what we're talking about like like you know you go to science class in in public school you know, you, you, you start, or, or college, you start getting taught yeah. things and it's, and you think, wow, this is the, we're on the edge right now. Like we know we're learning so much about these things and all, and we can throw away all these archaic beliefs and all that yeah. stuff. And, and then the more I got into this, I'm like, and I'm realizing there's, there's actually a lot of room for, for, you know, things beyond our, our understanding Yeah, because, because it's like, there's mo the multiverse, the whole idea of like there, the super string theory is that this idea that there's 10 or no, there's a 10 plus time. So there's 11 dimensions within particles or something like that's basically like 
what it means is the particles that we learn about in in like 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 because they really dumb it down. When oh, you, they dumb it down. You don't realize time. it. But. Oh, big time. The the particles, the atoms. There, there's actually like eleven dimensions to each of them. Like at at the like this, I guess subatomic part, like subatomic level. I'm probably butchering this because it's been a few years since I read it. Um, but it's like, and then the ramifications of that mean that down, like somewhere else, there's another universe connected to the particles of our own yeah. universe. Wrap your mind around that. It's just and and so you yeah. and then you you think like okay, then there's no God. I mean, you like. Then there's also the whole thing of like like Schrodinger's paradox. Yeah. You have like the idea that you, there's a cat in the box, and if there's a gun goes off in the box, you don't know if the cat's still alive or dead. It's actually both until you open it and see it. Yeah. Meaning, there a particle is neither like was it negative or positive or or, or doesn't take a, on a certain property until you observe it. The, the meaning of the, what that means, though, is is there's there's physics on the bigger level, which is like Einstein's, I think, physics. And then there's the quantum level, which is when you get down to the nitty gritty, there's so many fluctuations that, you know, if you unless you were able to observe them all at once, which is physically impossible, you don't know what they all are. So it's like you have the bigger physics that um, are pretty accurate to a degree. But once you get to the quantum level things start to be unpredictable. And one of the things that Einstein hated was the fact that he, he just couldn't wrap his mind around the idea that God would play with dice. He didn't think that, like, he, he just hated that. But you know what? I think I had, a, I had developed a theory from, from listening to this and reading about this. And I was like, if, if we can't predict what, what a, a particle is or mm -hmm. like whatever that thing is that is changing depending on your obs what when you observe it what it is when you observe it who's to say that god or some super advanced species um super intelligent species that might even be able to transcend time and it might be us from the future transcending time now who's to say that they're not manipulating those particles that we can't that we are not currently observing and Manipulating them to such a degree that they can then change the course of time in such small increments, but have, but when you've changed enough of them, they make such big changes. You know what I mean? Like when you're, say you're, you're traveling somewhere, if you change, like if you, if you, or, or like, like a, you shoot a, a bullet at something and, and say it's like several miles away. If the wind yeah. is just, if the wind is just enough to push it an inch, or if your scope is off by a millimeter or less than a millimeter, that bullet will go feet away from the target or more. Like that's so yeah. when you take that that philosophy, that that way of seeing it, apply it to what we don't understand and what we cannot uh, predict with physics. There's room for God. There's room for not just God, but like a there's room for aliens, room for like a super intelligent being that could be us from the future. If they if we learn how to navigate through time, the dimension of time. 
And it's and and who's to say like when you do that that we're not just a different dimension of infinite dimensions that was manipulated by that being. We're just one of the dimensions that was manipulated a certain way. And there's other ones that are manipulated a different way by that by that that being. That's 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 where I was like, all right, yeah. Plus my writing got better when I started praying. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is but, this is what brought you back to yeah pretty much <laughs> um, but no, also, no i also have um uh, this is a, a recommendation from jordan peterson um there's a, a book a version of the bible that is uh that is it's mainly king james and then there and then like another one for a certain chapter or for a certain book of it and and but it's and it, and then it condenses and, and and combines like a bunch of the the new testament so, so there's a one narrative. I think it just uses Mark or something. And it's basically, it's called um, the Bible to be read as literature. And basically, it, it's one of the most beautiful versions I've ever read of the Bible. Because, like, I, I went from reading just a little bit each time to reading, like, a lot. And, and that's a horrible way of explaining it. But um, I just, I, I felt like... Like, 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 basically, when you read it, it, there's no, like, no numbers. They're not even verses. Like, n all the numbers are gone. It, it's look. You just it, feel like you're reading a book. Yeah, it looks like a book. And it's, and it, all you know is you're reading uh, Mark or you're reading, um, like, uh, uh, what is, what is, um, Genesis. That's all you know. And it's great. It's, it's really, I, I'll show you after this. It's huge. It's a huge book. Um, they, I, I don't know if they still print them, uh, but I, I, I had to get it used. But it, it's so it's so interesting to read because it, it's yeah, like you, you and you, you really feel like you're getting a narrative. You don't feel like you're getting something that was cobbled together or, or that just feels like written in a weird way. It's written beautifully like it's meant to be spoken out loud. I don't really speak it out loud, but I just if you speak it out loud, it sounds good. It sounds beautiful. And it's that's that's what, your word that's, for it. But, but the, the reason why the whole philosophy behind it is that the Bible can be inter like if you even if you're not a believer, even if you don't if you're not religious, the Bible has immense value. Like it, you can view it from a, a, a literary perspective. And by that, I meaning understanding that you know literature has value, you know like like real, a good movie has value. like like, like there, a story, like a narrative has value because what 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 it, an artist is doing they're they're imprinting their the, their culture's beliefs meanings or ideas into a narrative form into images that can be consumed and 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 interpreted and and can guide you and, and guide you in deeper ways than than a lot of like self help books could even do. You know, I think, uh, you know, like it's just that's and that's the beauty of it. And that's and, and I think that's that's that could be like a great testament of why it's such a valuable resource. It's it's you know, I can't it shouldn't just be thrown away, even even if you don't believe in that, even if you're atheist. It's like it's such a excuse me. It's such a, a, a elementary uh, high school like level idea concept of of just throwing the bible away like oh like oh we don't need that yeah you do you just don't know it like you just don't understand how it can actually impact your life you know you don't have to take it you know verbatim in a lot of cases 
you have to you have to like dig deeper you have to like really study it and really think about it for like deeply like for instance um you know a way of looking at the 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 beginning of the bible the the whole thing with uh adam and eve and then i learned this from jordan peterson it's like that is a metaphor for becoming aware of your vulnerability your nakedness realizing that um we are you know we we you know we are vulnerable creatures um and that we need to you know we need to sacrifice in order to uh to uh what is it to survive and and all the, all the other thing is uh the whole thing of the serpent and the apple the uh, the the fact that we could then see or the people could see then for the first time that they were naked was it's it's a metaphor for our vision coming to coming to reality that when, when you know there was a a study done that the vision like our, our our the lower hemisphere of our eyes are really good for picking up snakes and they did uh and and that's where the serpent thing comes in they are really good for picking up snakes um in the lower hemisphere and and the reason we see color is for fruit now i can explain it's like they did a study different areas like different types of snakes and they found it was like a perfect um correlation where depending on the area somebody was in you know that's that they were evolved for seeing that kind of snake i think then the fruit the idea that fruit is is why how we see color you know so that we know that it's ripe that's why we like the color red because mm -hmm. it means like oh it's a really ripe fruit um also the reason we have such big brains is said to be like an evolutionary, uh, you know, like a, like a, an evolutionary step forward in to enable us to see. It takes a immense amount of brain power to to see and under and make make an under come to an understanding of what we're seeing. Like the eyes are very complex. Vision is very complex. Like like how you know we we look at things. We look at this microphone. And, and it's like, it's separate from this. This is a plastic piece. This is a, you know, these are little follicles. They're separate things. You know, there's this microphone, like you're a person, you have eyeballs. I can see eyeballs in your face. You have a nose, you have a nose ring, you have lips, you have, you have eyebrows, you have a headphones on, you have hair. Now, how are you able to like separate those things and define them? That, you know, that's, 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 part of that's just a small part of how complicated the system is of vision and interpreting what like like the particles we're seeing and you know the whole thing of like there will be light you know the god said you know like and god and then god allowed adam to you know name or was it adam to name all the animals that was so that man could start defining things that he was seeing and and that was the beginning of of defining the world around him and that is so ultimately important that's how the vision thing came to be is we started defining things and then we got so good at it that we realized that we were naked and that we had to you know work the earth do all these things to sacrifice to survive and that is is that's just one interpretation and it's such a powerful interpretation it's like you're telling me that, oh, you know, big man in the sky, like that's, that's such preposterous nonsense. 
Well, do you even did you even hear of that interpretation before? Like, have you ever really thought about how important, like how how uh, meaningful that can be to you? Like, and and what you can glean from that? There's you can glean so much, and it's yeah, no, uh, and that's that's another reason why I think uh, you know it's, I, I I don't like the idea of like throwing that idea those ideas away. It's it's so so beyond it was beyond what I even knew about. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like. Frank, back in like when we went to uh, like mission trips, remember, do, were you there when Frank called me doubting Thomas? <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> no, you weren't there. I think that was the first time we went to mission trips. Segway mission trips. <laughs> we went. We went on like uh, let's. What, what do you want to talk about? Um, because I've been talking so much. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, maybe I'll give a little bit more of my background. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, well, right now I'm in um, I'm in grad school, um, studying physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, and like what you were saying about um, we don't know much about, you know, anything. Science is like, it's it's I I don't know how it translates, but like it's supposed to be like you know the, it's just like the art of knowing or like learning more and stuff. And um, so like. I have anatomy right now. Um, next semester I'll have anatomy too. And we learned about like, um, you know, the extremities and stuff. And like next time we're going to learn about the head and like, you know, the the rest of the body. And um, we're like on Fridays we get to go in to get our lab. We each get our own. Mm. We're in groups and we have our own body. Oh, um, and we get You're to like, we just, bodies. we like, it's, it's a whole body and it's nothing's been touched on it before. Like nobody, nobody's dissected it yet. So you have to go in and you bring your scalpel Jeez. and you just cut it open and you're, you go to town and you just, you're <laughs> go to town. like, there's a little manual and it's like, okay, you know, here's the manual. Here's what you do. I'm not going to tell you anything else. Just, you know, if you have a question, flag me over. And so like my professor, um, Dr. Smith, he's, his, his big thing is, um, comparative anatomy. He mm -hmm. loves looking at how, um, he, he loves monkeys. He gets these monkeys from the Pittsburgh Zoo. Cause we're like down, we're like an hour down the road from Pittsburgh. So he'll get these dead monkeys from Pittsburgh Zoo and he dissects them in the basement of the PT building. And he likes to draw these comparisons between how the monkeys and how the humans are. And I tried telling Uncle Bill about this and he's like, well, you know, evolutionary, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, okay, it's not about evolution. Okay. I guess it is. But like at the same time, like, you know, why are, why is a, why is a monkey different than a human? It's because of how they had to evolve. You know, it's, it's not like. We're not trying to say, you know, we all came from the same mm -hmm. thing. Okay, maybe we're trying to say that. But, like, you know, why does a monkey crawl around on, you know, all fours instead of – and a human walks around on, on you know, two legs. And so he he, lo he looks at those differences in the anatomy and helps him understand mm -hmm. the human anatomy better and the monkey anatomy. And, you know, and um, so he likes to bring up those things. Um, so anyway, we're, we're, we're cutting open these bodies. And, um, and like, our body – um, is like this older woman and like the next table over is like, you know, this, um, older man, they're, they're generally older bodies. Cause that's who dies. To, yeah. to, that's who donates their bodies. Anyway. And, and, it, and if, you, if you fail, they sign like an F on the grandma's tit and they send her down the, down the chute. No. <laughs> was like they, joke. They, they, they end up like, uh, cause, cause we, we like, we cut up these bodies, but we're not professionals. So like, yeah. you know, they end up, um, what, what's thing. the word they end up burning the bodies and like sending the ashes back to the yeah. so um but anyway um so we're, we're cutting up in the bodies and like 
it's so weird to think, think like um you see how the arteries are different on this body compared to this body and like um you know like the split between um how your uh how your one artery splits higher on the one, on the arm on this body compared to the other body and um and you learn you learn these things in lecture and you learn how like how it's supposed to be one way and then you go dissect the body and it's completely different mm -hmm. and it's like with science you just have to keep learning stuff and you realize you constantly realize you just don't know anything yeah yeah which is like when we're when we're learning and we're we're studying and everything and we take these exams and we're like wow like yeah no i got an 80 percent. that's good because like i know most of it like but like you're just constantly learning because you just you like our our professors tell us like you ask a question they're like well it depends because it's different with anyone yeah any concept is different with and i mean i could mention like something that that reminds me of is there's a i read a leonardo uh, not leonardo dicaprio leonardo da vinci's uh biography a while back which is really interesting i think you would really enjoy it it but one of the things he did was he, he did a lot of things but he he dissected cadavers mm -hmm. like really uh like i think before it was or, or back when it wasn't really a something that it was a widespread uh i guess um and he he did anatomical drawings some of the greatest anatomical drawings that that like some beautiful ones this was leonardo uh Da Vinci. <laughs> I have to, I have to remind myself. Not DiCaprio. This isn't the Titanic. Um, and basically, yeah, like he 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 drew some of the mo probably the most well detailed anatomical drawings ever. And and he he had done it so much, so obsessively because, I mean, he he this is a dude who wanted to know what the back of a woodpecker's tongue looked like. Look like he had yeah. he, he had it on his like list of to do list is things to do, like just. He was just such a weird character, but he just, he did so much of that. And then it, it said that all the research he did would have put us, I think, 500 years ahead in, in, in the understanding of the human body in, in medicine. That's the, I, and I, I mean, I, I, I forget who said that, but like, like, I think scholars have like, like agreed upon that or something. And, and it's like, damn, like, but the, the reason why he didn't publish it was he was, shit at publishing he never finished a damn painting he he worked he kept each painting even the ones that were commissioned like here i want you to i want to pay you to paint this he never even gave it back to them he like the mona lisa was a commission to like uh paint some some woman somewhere some random woman somewhere so he and, didn't finish the mona lisa no he never did but the that one we like and, and the one we, we we see is just his most recent rendition it like he that's the thing he he was a such a perfectionist he was never done. He just so he's kind of like you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've learned to be able to complete things. Like, like I've, I've convinced myself you have to finish this. This is your deadline. I feel like I've gotten over that. But you know, I am a bit of a, bit of a perfectionist because I, I think you, you want to be a bit further on the perfectionist spectrum than, than to be somebody who doesn't care about his own work. You know. Um. But yeah, you do want to know how to complete things, which is hard to do. Um. And it can be even hard hardest at the end when you're you're like convincing yourself to finish and let it go, and you you have to force yourself. But yeah, that's another thing. But yeah, like he just did, like he he kept working at it, and that and then one of the reasons why the 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 Mona Lisa smile is so iconic 
is because uh, and, and he did like the, there was a uh like a some scan done i think with uh x-rays and it was said that like there's like a thousand or so layers or more layers of just of of retouches of the smile and the thing is he studied so many cadavers and the face muscles and muscles in the human body that he was able to understand how to do it in such a way where it's like she seems like she's smiling or smirking but you can't tell he just was so meticulous about that but that like that's just the thing like that's that's where that's a beauty of of when you mix science and art they're not meant to be separate they're spo they're supposed to be put together and 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 loved together you know so that was that was just a thing and then and another thing was uh, the monkey the difference between humans and monkeys here's one de de definition monkeys don't know how to sacrifice you want to know how to trap a monkey hmm. this is this is a jordan peterson thing you you take a jar with like a with a you know with that with a hole that about that big just just big enough for a monkey to stick his hand yeah. in you fill it with a bunch of rocks at the bottom so that it, it you can't you can't lift it then you put a bunch of candy in there the monk, you put it out somewhere where the monkey is, where the monkey will come along and find it. You you let him come find it. He comes and finds it, sticks his hand in there, tries to get the candy out, and then pulls it up. He can't get his hand out unless he lets go of the candy. But a monkey doesn't think like human beings. He doesn't know how to sacrifice. He doesn't know how to let go of that candy to save himself. So he'll keep holding on, and then you just come over and scoop on all up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's a, that's one of the differences between uh monkeys and humans it, and that's that's interesting because it's yeah. like then you can say yeah that's adam and eve learning how to sacrifice learning you know our vulnerability so that, i mean I know, that's just that's just one of the interesting things about that story that i just think is so fascinating um but yeah no back to like you were saying with um you know you know cutting up cadavers and whatnot you know what's that like and yeah um I mean, at first I thought I was going to be kind of freaked out by it. Um, I was a little nervous to go in and do it. But, um, I mean, once you're once you're working on the body, um, especially if you cover up the face, you don't really, you don't really, I mean, it's not like you don't think of them as human beings. Yeah. Like, you just, you kind of think of the anatomy more than you think of this was a human being who died. Um, and yeah. um, still respectfully, you know, you're trying to figure things out find different muscles find different arteries um you know you, you you're looking at you're getting a spatial awareness of it to see how it's everything's connected because you study it in the book and um like i have this program on my computer where it's like it's like a 3d human body and i can take things away and put things in but like it's completely different when you get to the human body because you look in and you're like oh my gosh like the the gluteus maximus is huge like i didn't realize how <laughs> How big that is like and that that's like the butt muscle you know it's covering the whole you know, thing and then you pull that back you you resect it yeah. and you have all these muscles underneath and you start like learning how those work together and like how some people have like this so the piriformis muscle is supposed to be sitting on top of sciatic nerve and somehow sometimes people will like that muscle can compress that nerve so then some people will get pain in like their butt basically um, they'll get like, you know, pain from their sciatic nerve getting compressed by that piriformis muscle. But, um, some people, they, um, they have their piriformis muscle actually goes right through that nerve. So if, imagine if that, if that muscle becomes inflamed, that's just trapping that nerve and that, so like that's, a lot of people, yeah. so you look at the bodies and you're like, okay, you know, while that muscle is right as, you know, around that nerve, 
Um, so maybe they had a lot of side effects. So you, you're coming up these with these theories and these hypotheses in your head, and you're like thinking about like how they used to live their life. Like, you know, the our body, like we're like, oh, you know, she on her left side, you know, or her right side, she's missing. Like her her ner- her muscles look really atrophied. These certain you know external rotator muscles. So maybe mm. she couldn't maybe she couldn't lift up her or bring her hip out that far. So she wasn't able to. Um, she was maybe this affected the way she walked. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, because on her right side, you know, it's, it's smaller, it's more atrophied, so it's weaker. Maybe she wasn't able to walk as well on her right side. So you're just coming up with these hypotheses and you don't get to see if they're right, but you're thinking about it clinically and, and it's, it's, you create a fake Facebook. It's like, Hey, you reach out to our family. (laughs) You're like, was this true? When we started, our professor was like, yeah, don't look them up. Like you're going to want to look them up, but like, just don't look them up because you're not going to, you're, it's going to, cause I mean, at the end of the day, like. They're like, human, you have their, they're human you beings, have their names so like, the, the, yeah, like because oh, they have the body bags and everything, so you 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 can look them up. But like, yeah, he was don't. like, don't look them up because then you're gonna like get freaked out when you're dissecting them. It's just you know, word of caution. Yeah, it's like yeah, you don't um, wanna like you just like you. you it sounds weird to say, but you don't want to humanize yeah. them too much because that that makes it harder for you to do your job. Yeah, like a doctor and, doesn't want to perform on his own kid because that's a yeah. Like and you get these bodies for like two semesters so you're just you know you're working on them in the first semester you're cutting up their arms and legs and then not cutting them up but like you know dissecting them and then you get to the you know the um wait the same body you get the same semesters? body for because they, they they keep the bodies the whole year um <laughs> well how do, do they like freeze them yeah well like no they don't freeze them but like well, how do they... um they use pre- preservatives different like we spray them before we go home for winter break anyway jesus um, grandma's like a steak <laughs> Uh, like, well, it's, it's wild, like, because some, like, when you, if you don't use the preservative spray, like, some of them, you, you see, like, the skin starts to, anyway, um, oh, but we have the same body, so, like, he, he was, like, also don't look them up, because, like, you know, we're gonna start to think about how they might have died, so, like, some of them, you look at them, and they're, like, it's you like know, you, you look, you yeah, wanna, yeah, you don't want to, yeah, so, you like, you're, you're, your you're feeling along their arteries, and, like, I've learned, like, the difference between an artery and a nerve is an artery is kind of squishy, because, you know, it's like a tube, you know, and <laughs> a nerve isn't supposed to, like, a nerve is gonna be more solid, and, um, and, you know, you're, like, you're feeling along the tube, and you're, like, oh, this is kind of hard, that maybe they got an occlusion, maybe they had, like, you know, an, they had, like, uh, they had, you know, a heart disease or something going on, see, so and then, like, you'll look at their, um, you're like maybe they have diabetes. They had diabetes, and you know, just yeah. start coming up with these hypotheses. And then I think one of our projects, or I think one of our like unofficial projects, is going to be like figuring out how they died. <laughs> but <laughs> that's interesting, though. Like you, you. So you basically, you know, I mean that that's that's a, that's a great piece of um, experience because then you, when you go to work because you're a PT, you go to yeah. work with uh, you know people in the future who mm-hmm. are still alive. Yeah. Then you can then you know draw on this experience and be and know from actually going inside a dead person mm-hmm. like what those muscles yeah. are and seeing them. That's and we we crazy. have so much time like working with them every week, um, and we can go in on our own time to like to to like look at stuff. But um, and we get you know we have these practicals where we have to go in and he'll be like, "What's this on this?" Like different people, like you look at everybody's bodies. So like you're mm-hmm. not just looking at your own body. You can walk around the room and look at the other bodies and. Um, and when we have our practical exams, we, he'll mark, they'll mark different parts of the bodies and they'll be like, okay, what's this? Mm-hmm. What's, what, um, what's the insertion of this muscle, you know, different things. And so you're applying it all. And so like one of the great things about my program, Slippery Rock is they, you, at the end of the time or at the end of the t- your time in school, like 
you're going to be able to apply all that that knowledge and you feel more confident about them like not not every school has a cadaver mm-hmm. pro, a cadaver um cadaver lab and um some do but like they only get a couple bodies where like the the graduate assistants will you know dissect them and then they'll show you you know like the different things but like you don't get to actually do it like once you get your hands in there and you're you're doing that hands-on experience like that really helps yeah because you really don't learn just by watching and hearing something you have to like actually do it and experience it like subscribe to the youtube channel where they 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 cut open grandma (laughs) (laughs) no um but yeah no that's uh, so yeah no that's but does uh does uh i think you were talking about were you going to transfer to like was it pitts like uh, pittsburgh pittsburgh university um so when i was applying for grad school um i got accepted in a couple programs um and i was trying to determine which one i wanted to go to um and pittsburgh was one of the university of pittsburgh was one of the programs i got accepted to um so i was debating whether or not i wanted to go to university of pittsburgh versus slippery rock and Mm -hmm. um money wise and program wise it just slippery rock seemed like the better decision and i'm glad i stuck with it because i'm really enjoying it and i think i'm benefiting a lot especially because you know with the current situation with the pandemic um it's difficult learning um because you're most of the time you're at home you're watching on your computer and everything but like we still get to go in um so the cadaver lab and do that and we still get to do um you know like the so assessment skills it, and everything but does like does pittsburgh have it I, could, I, I don't know i didn't really so you're getting something out, might, of, out of but, um, rock that you know you may or may have, yeah. not have gotten out of there so that's good yeah but another thing about like that i want i didn't want to go to university of pittsburgh it's the city i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not a big city person neither am i <laughs> people but, yeah. are a lot meaner in the city <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know i i think i mean i think you hear from people who actually live in the city like they won't stay they say otherwise if you don't know what you're doing then they seem a lot yeah they do like <laughs> i would be getting people pissed off at me all the time but from parallel parking yeah <laughs> no i would figure it out if i was living in the city but yeah like i i get so rusty at it because they don't do it for so long it's like a you know it's like you've been sleeping on a limb and then you try to get up and it's like oh i can't get up and then people are get behind you and they're like it, it's probably a terrible analogy but you know <laughs> but uh no that's uh it's interesting but uh i think uh if i remember correctly you know i was half tempted to say like maybe we should be closer to the mics but i don't think it matters really because oh. i mean i think we sound fine honestly you're, you, these are designed to be at this distance too so okay uh, um yeah, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with that? Um, that you can think of? Things that I might not know to ask? What, are, what What else? Um, well... Another benefit of um, staying at Slipper Rock, because I went to Slipper Rock for my undergrad. Um, mm-hmm. During my senior year, well, in my undergrad I was an exercise science major. Um, but I also had a minor in adaptive physical activity. So I got a lot, I got involved in working with people with disabilities, um, getting involved in sports or exercise programs. Um, uh, from that, like my senior year, I was asked to, cause I, I was, I was a collegiate athlete. So I ran cross country and track. And they, so my professors knew that I, I like to run. Um, mm-hmm. they were like, 
do you want to be a special, would you be interested in being a coach for a Special Olympics athlete? And I said, yeah, sure. So um, I've been working with, um, about a year and a half now, I've been working with um, a Special Olympics athlete who runs long distance um, races like the 5K, 3K, and the mile. Um, Overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, so uh, it's, we, we work out like once or twice a week. Um, and you work out on like zoom um well we've been doing that um recently just because the weather is not the greatest but um we will run together we'll get together in person um and we'll run on campus or like um in a neighborhood that's near his house um and we'll do some workouts and mostly it's mostly i just come up with workouts that my coach had given us and like i'll simplify them a little bit just just to fit them into our hour period mm -hmm. but um but he's I, I was so lucky because he's he's he loves running and he's he's good at it so like um so it's i'm not where i don't have to worry about like stopping to walk i have to worry about getting him to you know um just push himself like mm -hmm. he's really good at pacing so i'll just i and um so like we we have a lot of fun with it um i don't know it's just it's nice because it's something that i'm interested in running and um and ties together another mm -hmm. thing that i'm interested in working with people with disabilities and um i don't know that's something that slippery rock gave me yeah. um now i think part of well, part of our interest in disabilities because it's like lily our niece with yeah. uh, cerebral palsy and uh yeah that's probably what got me involved in um seeing her grow up and whatnot yeah that's probably what got me involved in um choose well got me interested in choosing a career in physical therapy um just because i would go watch lily um in her pt sessions yeah um and it just seemed like it was like they they work to make it into like a play kind of situation they yeah. then use like regular toys and stuff to like or you know things that you might just use in a in a school for like a in like a gym like they use those kind of things to to get them to achieve certain goals um and that just seemed like something that i wanted to do mm -hmm. with kids and and do like physical things because i i love exercising so like um that's just something i became interested in after watching lily and Mm -hmm. um i think um other topics that we haven't gotten to there's a few we got we you were valedictorian <laughs> in in uh, high school mm -hmm. um we can talk about that there's also growing up with me and leslie <laughs> probably not talk about her since she's not here but uh, <laughs> but uh um, trying to think what else what else do we talk about now that we're here on the podcast I don't know what do you usually talk about well I usually talk with my friends about filmmaking and whatnot oh you know that's another thing I wanted to ask about I wanted to get into uh, because this concerns me obviously like I've just been thinking about the state of, of movies and films today and, 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 and television and and uh, I mean, I wanted to hear your thoughts, uh, and, and more specifically, 
or or uh, uh, what what are your th- do you have thoughts about that at all like opinions of about movies today or television or any entertainment stuff that like things that pertain to like what I'm working towards just because uh, as a ca- I think you're like I would, I would consider you like probably a casual observer it's not something you care yeah. that deeply about you know it's something you, you get your laptop out you watch movies uh, I mean I'll, I'll watch classic movies on a projector yeah. screen you know that you've never heard of and you know, <laughs> have no interest in watching yeah I mean for me it's more like um if I have free time at the end of the day and I'm tired of studying I'll just pop over my laptop and I'll watch Netflix um I don't personally own a TV yeah. so like <laughs> So like if anything, if I'm ever watching something, it's usually oh, man, on my that phone. Been a Christmas present. <laughs> I mean, if I'm any, if I'm ever watching anything, I am I'm doing it on my laptop or my phone. Um, but I just I don't. There's a TV over there. You take it. <laughs> Sorry, you're going. Keep going. Um, I mean, my boyfriend has a couple TVs, so like we have we have them. I don't usually use them. Mm-hmm. Um, just because um. If I if I ever enjoy doing something, I'll, I'll sit on like the couch and I'll just pop open my laptop. Yeah, I mean, but, um, yeah, it's a nice laptop. Like it's nice to like just yeah, look at nice it personal. I'm 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 not concerned about you. Actually, size, that, but... that actually made me want to get my own like um, small one for uh, just you know. Yeah. That's not but, like um, a brick. <laughs> but uh, usually, if anything, um, I don't watch a lot of movies um, unless they really pique my interest. Um, mm. I don't. I'm not. One of the things I've argued with um, my boyfriend Dylan about is um, uh, just rewatching stuff, um, mm-hmm. or rewatching movies or certain things. Like I don't like to rewatch things, except for Titanic. Uh, Ti- Titanic. Titanic's probably the only thing I'd like to rewatch, <laughs> um, uh, or certain musicals like Mamma Mia. Like, yeah, those cult classics. Um, but uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm like one who I'm just one and done. Like I'll just I'll watch it once unless it's like something that really sticks with me. But um, Mm-hmm. So like if I'm going through, usually I watch TV shows, um, but I, I I don't have a great attention span, so like I have to watch stuff that's that's really short. Katie, or, like, watch my movie. <laughs> Keep watching it. Um, or like if I watch things, like I'm like this really annoys people, but like I can I'll watch it for like 20 minutes and then I'll go away. And then I'll I'll keep watching it later. Like I sometimes I forget what happened in the beginning, but I'll, like I'll just keep I'll, I'll, I'll like you'll pause it and come like, back. Yeah, like it'll be like halfway through the day and i'll watch a little bit during like lunchtime and then like i'll come back to it later in the day or like a couple days later like i i don't watch things like all at once um no i'm i'm actually i've become the same way like right now um like i'll watch and it's kind of weird like i'll jump between movies yeah like i'll, I'll watch I, a little bit of this movie yeah. and i'm like ooh, things are getting weird i feel like taking yeah. a break i have a couple of <laughs> different tv shows that i'm flipping back and forth between like um i've been watching and they're like completely different genres like i'm watching Mm -hmm. um uh supernatural it's like there's like 15 seasons of it i'm on season 11 i think um but i've been watching that for like several years and then um i recently started watching community because it just just, is funny i watched a bit of um something i can watch like um before the gyms close i was watching it like i run on the treadmill and i just pop it open um and i watched like a couple episodes while i'm running it's just something funny lighthearted that i can watch yeah. Um, like The Office. Yeah, The Office. Yeah, I, um, I watched all. Like I, I started watching yeah. it a second time, but then I was like, uh. Yeah, I can't. I can't do. So that. here's the thing: when it comes to movies and television, I want to watch more television. But here's the thing: I find it's such an addicting thing, and it, and it's like I I have willpower. Like I'm not gonna. It's not like I start watching it and then ten hours later I'm like, what, what happened? 
uh, like, like I'm just like just glued to the couch. Like I, I'm not like that. Like I I'll watch like one or two or three episodes of something. Like like I I, I mean to watch just one or a little bit of one three episodes later. Like that's how bad yeah. it is for me. But I find that the next day, if I watch a show or of any kind. <laughs> It's so loud, right? <laughs> but uh, it's I find that I, I'm just so like exhausted, not exhausted, but like lethargic. I'm lazy the next day. If you whereas binge, when you binge watch any TV, even if it's a little bit of a TV show, I think, or I, maybe I should test that. But it's like like tested by just watching less than one. But if I watch a bit of a TV show, I just. I feel less motivation the next day. But if I watch movies, I feel a lot of motivation to just like, and, and I think a lot of it is also in terms of like writing and my creative craft. And and I, I it's something I can never get over. Like no matter what, if it's a television show, even if it's like I'm watching, I wanted to watch more of Mindhunter by, by um, David Fincher, great director, incredible show I'm watching. And I started watching recently. Um, and uh i recommend it by the way it's but uh i i just even that show like I, I any any show at all it's just i i if i watch it i know that the next day i'm going to be less than optimal i'm just going to be less than my best self and i think it's i think it comes down to um this deep really rooted thing with with television versus movies for me where like movies, they're such a strict um, um, medium in terms of creating it and and filling that space. Like in, in, in television, even though people say that movies and like television is better today than uh, than movies are today, I kind of agree with that. But I don't. I still don't think that television today even comes close to like movies of of decades ago back in like. Like the 60s, 70s, and 80s has nothing on those movies, or or before then too. Like such great films. I mean, you probably be bored out of your mind by them, but there it's just. But I mean it in a sense of there there the way that it, it's been put. I think either it's by Neil Gaiman. He 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 explained it this way with books or movies or whatever comics. Um, there's you, there's can there's meal and there there's candy and then there's a meal. You know, you want to have a bit of candy in something, but you also want the meal. And and by that, I mean the in terms of meaning, in terms of what what is feeding you spiritually. What, what thing is feeding you on a deeper level that supersedes your consciousness, supersedes your understanding of life. It's something that great, great artists have come to achieve that very few people could. And it's like... I, I didn't know about it until I had friends who pointed it out to me and and made me watch things that I didn't have the patience to watch. Like uh, there's a filmmaker Tarkovsky, which I mentioned a million times on this podcast already. And I apologize, but not really. Um, it's his his work. I hated his film The Mirror the first time I saw it, and I guarantee most people would too if they don't know what they're getting into. And it's just. It's one of my favorite movies now today because uh, 
there's just things going on there that are so uh, they're just they, they're beyond my comprehension. They're they're just things. It's kind of like you know reading the Bible or or some ancient literature that is so packed with life and meaning that that it's like you have to earn the ability to understand it and you have you have to earn the ability to identify with the ideas of that text or that that literature you know it doesn't just come to you you have to work towards it you have to experience life you have to be exposed to enough of some kind of idea or interpretation to be able to really appreciate it and and it's like i've come to appreciate a lot of these older movies that are just so beyond anything made today whether it's movies or television or no no yeah excuse me and it's like i i i've i'm beginning to think like am i just wasting my time learning about these things because nobody cares i didn't care but i care now and it's like realizing how hard it is for me to come to an appreciation of these things it's like learning to appreciate a fine wine you know you're not gonna you i mean you might not appreciate it at first but then like over time you you develop a taste you develop a sophisticated um you know taste of of different wines you know you know what you like you know what you don't like or or it changes over time um you, you or you activate taste buds or something i don't know how it works I, i'm not an expert in it at all <laughs> but you 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 basically come to look at uh you, you you expose yourself to enough of it and the ideas behind it and you read about what the filmmakers thought when they're doing it and, and you realize that like like the reason i hated his films at first was i thought that they were just haphazard this guy was just throwing things at me that i that, that had no comprehensive connection but then i realized that no this like there there was a point where the film actually in editing didn't have a comprehensive structure until they finally found the way to make it work and it then it came together somehow for him. And I, I actually watch it and I realize, yeah, there is a comprehensive structure. And it's, and it's here's the thing is like, you talk about rewatching movies. I don't really fully appreciate Tarkovsky films until I watch them at least a second time. Like I'll watch it the first time completely thinking one thing that, it, that, that the movie's gonna be about as I'm learning, watching it. And then as it progresses, every one of my ideas of what it, what is this movie about gets thrown in the trash. I don't know what the heck's going on. Then once I know how it goes, and then I watch it again, I realize that things that I thought were just inconsequential babble and conversations that had no meaning whatsoever have meaning to the whole film. It just, it, it, you realize it's a whole cohesive structure once you watch the entire thing. And I think it's because his ideas and his you know perspective, his way of life is just so alien. It's a Russian filmmaker, you know. It's like it's, and I love that about you know foreign films. You watch a film by. By somebody from another country from a different time it's like you you're 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 entering into a different world and and you may not like it at first it's not going to be like watching star wars or you're not going to be like watching some movie that you know or tv show that is just addicting you like breaking bad or, or queen's gambit or 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 mind hunter or any of these movies or game of thrones except for the last season um, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's some like television today. The reason people think it's so good is it's built to addict you like breaking bad. It's kind of funny how they define the, the I think, I think they, they were one of the pioneers of creating, uh, I could be wrong, 
but I think they were one of the pioneers of creating such an addicting show. And it's fun, kind of funny because it, it's about addiction. It's about drugs. It's about making drugs and getting people addicted and creating a business out of it. And that's what they do to the audience. They get you addicted because you want to keep seeing where it goes. But it's like, how much of that is just the candy element? And that, mean, that means like giving people what they want or withholding it, withholding information until you come back and watch the next episode. That's a lot of it. You want to see how it turns out, you know, but that's not meaning. That's not the meal that you come for that you really want. They have some of it. They're getting better at that, but they're not at the level of what film was before, uh, before the eighties or, or, you know, or before the nineties, like I think, or, or, you know what, I think my friend Darlene put it this way. There hasn't been an, any good there's barely been any good films since uh i i wasn't sure if it, she said 2011 or 2014 or whatever think what what is the what is a good film you've heard you've seen since then since when since 2011 2011 um, or, or she said 2010 i think but i'm i could be wrong i mean you can probably think of a few when did, when did avatar come out maybe 2010 or 2012 it was probably before that uh um, I, have, I have no idea. That one was a good one. Um, but it's like, if you think about it, it's hard to think. Like, there's so many good ones that came up between 2000. La La Land was a good one. 2012, 10, and 2000. I, you know, I, I did think so, and, and I think Darlene killed it for me because she's like saying how the whole idea with that film is that you have to sell out to succeed, which she thinks is bullshit. And it's like, it's such a bullshit, it's such a Hollywood esque like a today's Hollywood-esque like view that you have to sell out to be successful. That's exactly what they want you to think. Or that, that's what exactly what they, they kind of think. Well, I don't know. That's her, that's her thing. And I, I kind of, I'm adopting it. What do you, what do you need to sell out? Like the whole, like, like what I'm talking about right now, which oh. is, you know, the idea of having a meal, having some spiritual connection to the work, something that's beyond your own comprehension, something that, you know, it, it, it just, like when I watch a Tarkovsky film or, or any film, you know, that I'm talking about, like eight and a half or or like a, like a Fellini film or, or, or uh, you know, um, a Kurosawa film or a uh, what is it? Um, there's another director, uh, Bresson or you probably don't know who these people are, but uh, uh, who else? Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's one. Um it's kind of funny, uh, Tarkovsky shit on him too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, when you watch their films, or, or Ingmar Bergman, he's a great director. Fucking crazy work. It's like, but it, you when you watch these films, like, I, I actually fall asleep, which is not good for entertainment. But it's like, it's, I fall asleep not out of disrespect, but because it's just such a, it's so much to comprehend, you know? There are things that I don't, I don't fall asleep to boring movies or boring shows. I turn them off. You know, I, I once watched something somebody made me watch. I'm not going to say who, but it was like, I was hating it every second, but I was fully aware of it. My hatred of it. When I watch a, a film like Tarkovsky's or Ingmar Bergman or Bresson or, or Kurosawa, like I, like a lot of times I, I get drowsy. I feel tired. And I think I realize over time it's because it's not because it's boring it's because it's like, it's just so deep. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like a dream. It's like, 
it's like deep literature. It's like you're it's putting you to sleep because there's so much things that you don't understand from it. And and your body's first instinct is like too many images, too many like too much mythology here. Like I need to go to bed, you know? <laughs> like like I need to go to bed to, you know, understand this. Like like that's like a like the whole thing with uh, Carl Jung looking up uh, like, like, like studying symbols and you know there's all these symbols to it you know I don't know but you know I I, I just I mean I think a lot of that's missing and and uh, yeah no uh, but I guess today I was just thinking like am I wasting my time trying to figure out this trying to make films that are that have that like I want I don't want to just do that I don't want to make films that put people to sleep because they're just so deep with like value or whatever or I mean, i'm gonna be honest i fall asleep with any movie nowadays yeah but it's like <laughs> i i don't because they're so meaningful no i'm just kidding um but like i don't like i don't want to go 100 that way i want to have that a little bit i want to have enough of that where i feel like i'm i love what i do but i also want to have the candy element that's the reason i i i when I send, you know, I send you shit all the time. I, I was mentioning Dave, I sent him videos all the time that I find on the internet. Before I write, I go on the internet and just splurge a little bit and find all this random funny stuff that makes me laugh. And then, you know, and I have to set timers to like remind me, get off the internet because you're just getting sucked in. After that, I go take a 20 minute power nap and then I go write. And I, what I found years ago was doing that gets my best work. Because I'm able to put so much flavor into it so that it doesn't just feel bland. Like, like it's, I mean, it has the meaning. It's going to have the meaning because I put a, a lot of time and, 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 you know, meditation into having a good, you know, having good stuff there and get, having a, a meaningful story and all that. But it's like, I also want to have it have flavor. I want it to taste like something. Yeah. I don't want it to be just bland and, and be boring. You know, I want to have it have both. Um, and uh and writing such a mysterious thing that you know i just found that there's nothing else that that you know replaces that you know that process of going on the internet like a like a hunter gather you know collecting all this like uh random uh uh you know food or whatever supplies for my trip to to wherever you know my trip into the writing process you know and then i take a nap to to clear my head and and but uh, i i i it, it kind of it's fun and that's that fun ends up feeding into making the writing that what I'm working on fun. But, uh, that's just something I do, but, uh, um, trying to think, uh, you, but no, I just thought like, like how far do you have to go to selling out to, to make, but I, you know, it's probably just, I'm just getting frustrated because I'm like, like even some of my friends and I, I don't think they're lying to me about this or maybe they are, but like, that that I that's that I do make films that are excuse me, um of good enough quality that it's like why aren't they getting view more views, you know? Like I mean, do you feel that way? Like like the films I make. Do you feel like I'm making I need to the pro my problem isn't that I'm making good films and I'm just not getting views or it's like I'm making dog shit films and I need to do better, Tom, so that I can get those views. I think it's I I think it's it could be a bit of that, and I'm I'm open to that, and I'm 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 always working harder to make my films better, and I think my my next film is going to be much better than anything I've ever done, um, and I'm learning that, and and it's because I've learned hard lessons on how to do that, but it's like I think my uh, 
I think I'm also just trying to figure out how do I get my films in front of the widest audience? And that part of the podcast is putting a podcast out there, like an hour or several hour long thing. Then I can re uh, before I put it out there, I re-listen to it. I look for, I listen to highlights. I, I look, I listen to like, what, what, what can I make into like a 10 minute plus clip, you know? And so that the YouTube algorithm favors more like 10 minute clips, you know, mm -hmm. and you can, and, and like the more videos you have, the more chances I think of, of you being, of your, your content being found. So I, I that's the, the podcast is to create good clips. Cause I think there's been a ton of moments in this podcast already where I could be, I could, I'll be listening to this later. I'll be like, wow, that was a good clip. Like that's going to make a good video. Um, and I'm going to make a thumbnail for it. I'm going to do, you know, make it a separate video on my separate clips channel for my YouTube. And I, I, I this is based on what I watch and consume from podcasters who are much more successful and, and who are already established. But it's like part of the, their success is because they know each other. Part of their success is because they've already established some success in other things and they have an audience in other things. Part of their success is because they've been doing it for so long and they were one of the pioneers of podcasting or, or all these different things. It's like, I mean, one of the podcasts that I listen to is, or some of the podcasts that I listen to are probably like more PT related just because that's the yeah. kind of content I'm looking for. Um, and I think when they make their podcast, I mean, they're doing it with the idea of PTs listening to it in mind. Yeah. Um, or, you know, PTs like when they're driving to work or if they're traveling between sites or something like that. Um, so like, that's the kind of audience that they're looking for. So, I mean, as, I think as long as you, you know, what audience you're looking for, like, that's a good point. Um, I mean, what kind of audience are you looking for? Like, are you looking for young adults like ourselves or are you looking for, I'm, I think who... my audience is probably, uh, creative types, creative, uh, like whether it's filmmakers, most likely filmmakers, my hope is to build an audience of that. I mean, I, I have to. I think through trial and error, through figuring out as I go, how do I tailor this podcast more and more to that? And is that what it is? Or, the, or is there something else I'm not, you know, hitting on? But, you know, I, I and I realized, like, you know, should I shouldn't I have come up with that before I started? Well, I kind of had an idea for that, you know, but I, I realized, like, from, you know, from years of not making a podcast and wanting to make one. Part of what got me bogged down was I had this idea of what I wanted the audience to be about, you know, all this different stuff. And it, that's what limited me. That's what kept me from doing it. So I had to, I realized like, in, including filmmaking, you have to just do it and then figure it out later <laughs> and, 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 and pivot and adjust, like go make a film, let it suck. But once you make that film, then it's like, all right, now I know what to do because like, it's kind of like uh, I hear like comedians, like one of one of the things that makes them grow so much is when they go on stage and they freaking bomb and that negative feeling of of that experience is what propels them to get better. And they might like record their sets and get better and listen to that and, and adjust and see what that works and what doesn't. And that's true of a lot of things, a lot of different um, artistic, you know, adventures and including podcasts, including filmmaking, you make a film, see what sucks and improve on that. And, and the negative experience of, of, of what didn't work that you didn't like, um, is such a great motivating tool than to not do anything at all and just wait until 
all the ideas align in your head before you start. Because it just doesn't work that way. I learned that the hard way. It doesn't work that way. You have to start, do it, and then figure out, okay, what do I want to do to improve this? And whether if and for me, it's starting a podcast as broad and of a view, like broad a scope as possible. The Tom Profit podcast. What the fuck is that? We're gonna find out. <laughs> now, uh, I know you said one hour and thirty minutes, and it's one hour and twenty seven minutes. Um, I feel like we could keep going, but I know you. Did you want to keep going? We, oh, could, yeah. we could. I, I got. Well, let's yeah. Let's okay. uh, let's let's draw it to a close. Um, where can they where can they find you? Where can they follow you? <laughs> do you want them, do you want people to follow you? I don't even know if there's anybody out there right now on this right now. If you are just follow you, they'll find, they'll find me. All right, they'll find you. All right. Uh, I, I love you, Katie, my sister. Thank you for being on the fifth Tom Profit podcast. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Yeah, it's great. It was, I think this is a good one. I, I actually, you know, I, I really enjoyed like I talking with you and hearing about the dissecting of grandmas we don't, get, and, we don't get to talk a lot yeah we don't no. <laughs> we gotta connect more kids. <laughs> later <laughs> all right that's that's a wrap that's what i should say from now on at the end what? of the podcast that's a wrap that's a film <laughs> that's a film term all right there you go later have a good one i'm cold Thanks for listening or watching. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. For notes and links to things mentioned on the show, my films, the video version of the podcast, or select the clips from each episode, go to ProfitableProductions.com backslash podcast. Profitable is spelled like my name with two Fs, two Ts. Also, for updates on future episodes, follow me on Instagram at TomProfitTake and at Profitable Productions. Thanks again. Catch you on the next take.